America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Yes, it is a great nation, despite the fact that there are voices on the right who say it used to be, but it isn't anymore. There are voices on the left who said it's never been a great nation. Uh, they're both combining on the extreme right and the extreme left to uh, tear down faith in America. So argues David French in a remarkable and important piece. We will get to that. We will also get to uh, increasingly plausible and persuasive calls on the House to do something, whatever it takes, to get rid of... Uh, uh, George Santos. Uh, that and much more, plus movies, including a remarkable film starring Hugh Jackman and Laura Dern, among others. Uh, we will get to all of that on the Michael Medved show. But first, we were talking about the 93rd birthday of Buzz Aldrin, uh, astronaut, moonwalker, as he was. And he was, he was moonwalking before Michael Jackson was even on the scene. Yeah, but on the real moon and the real walk. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, uh, people believed that we never landed on the moon. But let me remind you, there are also a lot of people out there, and increasing numbers apparently, who believe the Earth is flat. Now, really, we had a conspiracy collage uh, and uh, this was from July 25th, 2018. And uh, these all consist of calls of the week. The call of the week. I get so overwhelmed. Uh, like, I don't understand. It's educational. Like everyone goes to the bathroom on campus every day, unless they have some great powers. It's informative. You're Create a hostile environment. Feel the love. I love Fidel Castro. Fidel Castro, please keep it up. Hear the hate. And you're the devil. You're you're the big Hitler. Every Friday exclusively on the Michael Medved Show. And the winner is the winner is uh, all those people who apparently have been seduced by the notion that no Columbus was wrong uh, we the earth isn't round after all listen the flat earth conspiracy theory you know that may be the truth and if you look at the origin of this they found an edge you believe the earth is not a globe it's not round I believe that there is no curvature measurable anywhere and that people are not upside down underneath us. Operation Fishbowl, they found a dome. I'm going to cover this town with a dome. <laughs> and then ever since then, NASA was created and has the public thinking up, not out. Houston, we have a problem. NASA is getting you to try and believe in CGI planets. That's a good story. Why do you believe that every scientist in the world is lying about this? I believe that they may have, you know, they may be confused. I do not feel that we are on a spinning ball. What do you think marks the edge of the Earth? It's all surrounded by one big polar ice cap. Well, why can't you fly past it? You can fly past it. <laughs> Can? There's nothing but there's but into into utter emptiness. In other words, if you fly, it's just, it's just solid. 
At that point, you're too far away from the from the sun. It's science. What's the deal with the other planets? I don't know what's going on out in space. Answering that question with specificity is uh, above my pay grade. Why can't with this technology? Why can't somebody go out in space and 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 show me a video? They have. What do you think those things are up there in the sky? Are they pancakes or are they balls? I mean, if people really look up there at what planets are with the P900 camera. They can zoom in, and it looks like they're right there behind water, like it says in the Bible. The planets, are behind, the planets are behind water? Just like it says in the Bible. How is it possible that people fly around the world? Well, they're not really flying around the world. What are they doing? Flying. I was running. Why do you believe this? Do. Just because I've seen proof that that that, that could be correct. What proof? Can you cite for me anyone with any education at all who actually believes this to be true? Sure. I mean, now that now with the with the. Yeah, with the internet and all that. Ooh, they have the internet on computers now. People can look into this more, and there's a fa there's Facebook. And you believed it? Yeah, they can't put anything on the internet that isn't true. They're not all whack jobs. I mean, yes, they are. Okay, are you teaching your kids this stuff? No. This was from 2018. It was not from 1718. Uh, it, it, yeah, we, because they, they didn't have um, a radio and a recording of phone calls at that time. I, when, when you talk about the state of America and where we are, uh, there is nothing as troubling as the fact that apparently there are people who believe stuff that is just ridiculous, like the idea that the moon landing was faked or the idea that the Earth is flat. And in that context, there is this powerful piece about what people on the extreme left believe about America and what people on the extreme right believe about America and how both sides seem to be collaborating on uh, downgrading the spirit of our country. Uh, David French writes, uh, I'll never forget the first time I encountered Americans who hated America. It was in law school. He went to Harvard. And when I talked to my more radical classmates, I heard their case. America was a racist colonial power. It began as a slave empire expanded through conquest and genocide and then even as it cast itself as a liberator in the world wars and cold war propped up vicious tyrants in the name of liberty the solution to the crisis of america's past and present they believed was nothing less than revolution dismantling of america's classical liberal foundling founding and its replacement with illiberal structures that use the force of law and government to uproot entrenched power structures and reorder society from the top down. And uh, they, uh, they, he goes on to talk about the uh, 1619 project where people believed that uh, what the United States was starting with slavery was something new. And, of course, slavery wasn't something new. The uh, 
the the idea that uh, uh, this is the case. He says that uh, the radical left sees with fury at an America that was and believes that the America that is cannot escape its horrific past, at least not without revolutionary change. The radical right longs for the America that was, loathes the America that is, and believes the America that will be is doomed, at least not without revolutionary change. Uh, that is where they agree. And basically, what, what French is saying is that all of this comes together uh, destructively. He writes, when the first slaves arrived in the New World in 1619, it signaled not the founding of something new, but rather the reaffirmation of something very, very old, the same oppression and dom domination that characterized human history from the dawn of time. When the founders ratified the Declaration of Independence and later the Constitution and Bill of Rights, they created something new, a civilization centered around the aspiration of human liberty and dignity. At this early stage, the idea of America contradicted most of the reality of America, but the idea had startling, resonating power. The idea uh, that has power still. And it's one of those powers that needs to be amplified. So what do we do and where do we go? What do we do about uh, George Santos, meanwhile? We'll get to that and more on The Medved Show. Michael Medved. Michael Medved show uh, the point that David French makes and it's a powerful point a very important point and uh, you can respond to it if you want to join the conversation 1-800-955-1776 the uh, uh, the idea that right now you have both sides both extremes on the radical left a feeling that America needs a complete revolution and a total restructuring of everything because it's a racist, exploitative country. Uh, Shama Swant, the uh, congresswoman, the, the councilwoman, pardon me, congresswoman, God forbid, I mean, Pramila Jayapal is bad enough, but for uh, Shama Swant, uh, she is not uh, continuing in the city council in Seattle because she's going to be out there organizing revolutionary socialists. They're Trotskyites even. And they're going to be uh, fighting to completely remake America, which needs to happen, uh, away from capitalism. And then there are people on the right who say that the country has been so taken over by the woke that what we need is real revolutionary change. Both sides are talking about the equivalent of civil war and maybe even with violence. And uh, French writes, it's time to take a step back. Through their combination of some truth, much exaggeration, and many outright falsehoods, the far left and the far right undermine American confidence and fabricate an existential threat to the American idea. 
In truth, is the First Amendment destroyed? By no means. Americans are more free from government censorship than any time in the entire history of the United States. Is religious liberty on the verge of extinction? Asked David French. Absolutely not. In fact, religious freedom is enjoying a decade-long winning streak at the Supreme Court, with most of the key cases decided through right-left supermajorities, including cases decided 9-0 to zero and 7-2. to two. Religious communities are more secure from government persecution than they have ever been. And he, by the way, knows about that because a lot of those religious liberty cases were cases that he handled as an attorney for the Alliance Defending Freedom. And it's especially absurd to read claims that classical liberalism and originalism about our Constitution can't, uh, aren't adequate for the moment in the months after decades of patient and courageous pro-life advocacy and democratic participation resulted in reversing Roe with justices from the last three Republican presidents in the majority. Yeah, there were uh, appointees, uh, Clarence Thomas by the first President Bush, and then Justice Alito and Justice Roberts from the second President Bush, and then the three justices appointed by President Trump. And we can't deny the reality that most Americans' marginalized communities, writes French, have made tremendous strides, not by overthrowing the American founding, but by appealing to its highest principles. In his most famous speech, Martin Luther King said, when the architects of the Republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. Uh, just as Americans enjoy greater rights to free speech and freedom of religion than at any time in American history, more Americans enjoy the equal protection of the law than ever before. And then he concludes, uh, the idea, the American idea has power still, and depriving Americans of their fundamental rights to win a culture war doesn't solve a crisis. It is the crisis, whether that comes from the right or from the left. America has already had the revolutions it needs. In 1776, we proclaimed our ideals. In 1865, we experienced a new birth of freedom. In 1964, we took a legal sledgehammer to the badges of incidents of slavery that still plagued our land. That story is a hard story, he says. It's a continuing story, but it's ultimately a good story. Don't let the new revolutionaries demolish the American spirit. I think that's so extraordinarily important because is America perfect? It certainly isn't perfect. Saying that a country is the greatest doesn't say it's the most perfect uh, because perfection isn't really attainable for human beings. But in terms of what has been built here and the opportunities that we have, one of the things that people on the left just rage and rage and rage about is the idea that you are condemned to poverty and you can't escape it. We spoke earlier this week to uh, John Early, who has actually looked at the statistics, and the statistics are that people who are born in poverty are far, far more likely by a three-to-one margin 
to escape that poverty than to be condemned in it. And they're, in fact, more likely for their children to live at the very top of the economic heap and the top quintile, the top 20 percent, than to be continually brought down to the bottom. And that has to do with honest aspirations. It has to do with hard work. It has to do with choices that you make. And that brings us to George Santos. Uh, Peggy Noonan has a um, terrific piece on this not terrific subject. And uh, she begins by saying, I'm sorry, but it keeps bothering me. I don't get why members of Congress would let the George Santos story continue. It diminishes them. It is both a daily insult to the American people and a taunt. He is a nut, but can't be dismissed as only that. He is also wicked in that he has for decades abused all around him by waging war on reality. He is stolen from all who had dealings with him, including voters, a sense of what is true. He has lied about every central fact of his life, purloining achievement, stature, and sympathy. He then hoodwinked a congressional district on Long Island whose residents are now effectively without a functioning representative. Seeing the chance to replace a longtime Democrat with a Republican, they gave him solid backing on the assumption that surely he had been vetted by someone he hadn't. It is uh, in an editorial before the election, the leader, which is a small uh, newspaper on the North Shore of Long Island, said it wanted to endorse a Republican. Mr. Lally, the editor himself, had run for Congress as a Republican, but Mr. Santos was too much. His policy stance were incoherent. Until the last few weeks, he had no visible signs of a campaign. No offices, no signs, no mailings. He seemed, quote, bizarre, unprincipled, and sketchy, and was most likely just a fabulous, a fake. The leader endorsed Democrat Robert Zimmerman, who at least had experience and touchingly is a gentleman. In only the last week, the past week, it's been reported that Mr. Santos operated over the years under several aliases and started a GoFundMe account for a homeless veteran's ailing therapy dog, then absconded, absconded with the $3,000 it raised. The dog d denied a needed operation died. You're going to kill therapy dogs? We'll be right back. Michael, you rock. Michael Medved. One of the reasons that I want, I mean, not just one of the reasons, the main reason, the core reason on the Michael Medved show that I want the new Republican majority in the House of Representatives to succeed is not just because I'm a conservative and I believe in conservative reform, but I want America to succeed. And when you have a situation in, a, uh, in our country uh, where the approval rating of Congress, as it's been recently measured, is about 13 percent. Uh, Congress is right down there at the very bottom. They did that Gallup poll. We covered it where they ask uh, your assumption about the ethical standards of any given profession. And congressmen are now rated at the absolute bottom. 
politicians are not well looked upon. And this, by the way, creates a situation where you have people saying about George Santos and about the, the scandal of his being in Congress, well, they all do it. Uh, Peggy Noonan addresses that in the column that she's going to be uh, publishing tomorrow, and it's such an important column that I hope she'll pardon me for jumping the gun. But uh, the, the, the story that we're just telling about the, the ailing therapy dog and him absconding with $3,000 that were raised for that dog. The dog was denied a needed operation and it died. And then Mr. Santos yesterday tweeted that the charge against him, which the veteran made on CNN, is shocking and insane. My work in animal advocacy was the labor of love and hard work. Except he had a phony charity that never did anything for sick or lost animals. And, uh, and then, of course, there's this, that Mr. Santos's mother, who he has stated was in her office in the South Tower on 9-11, and uh, whom he variously described as killed in the attack or barely escaping with her life, was in fact in Rio de Janeiro and had it even visited the U.S., since 1999. Uh, she apparently never had an office in the South Tower and she was never involved in the the industry of finance. He shouldn't be in Congress, writes Peggy Noonan. We all know this. It's not good enough to say they're all con men. Even in Congress, there are degrees. This one's a pro a menace, a total, not partial fraud. If he has any qualifications for public office, they haven't emerged. He is a bad example for the young. Cheating works. He is an embarrassment to the old. He is an insult to the institution. Getting rid of him will take time. We are counseled. Ethics investigations, campaign finance probes, but the entire Republican leadership, while not quite embracing him, has been happy to use him. He voted for Kevin McCarthy for speaker, after all. He is, was appointed to two committees. He is on the Science, Technology, and Space Committee. Oh, by the way, there's just a, a new... <laughs> I'm sorry, this is a new CBS report, breaking news. George Santos apparently told his former roommate, maybe the same roommate he stole a $520 scarf from to uh, address the Stop the Steal rally in Washington the day before January 6th. He told his former roommate that he is only in Congress to fleece the taxpayers. Well, again, for somebody like this who has never earned any money, who's never had a real job, who has lived on illegal activities and uh, and, and conning people, cheating people, uh, and it, you have audio? Okay, I'm sorry, we have to go to this audio. Uh, this is, uh, Greg, thank you, let's hear it. He never went by George, never went by Santos. I knew him as, you know, Anthony DeVolder um, from Jackson Heights, Queens. Maury befriended the outgoing young man, even moving in with him for a few months in New York City. He was 
a very interesting person. We hit it off right away. He says Santos told him he had his sights set on Congress. He told me once that if I can get elected to Congress for just one term, I will be set with a pension and health care for the rest of my life. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, is there any way they can they can uh, uh, stand in the way of that? Uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, Peggy Noonan writes about uh, Kevin McCarthy and the majority of members of Congress who are all being tarred by Santos. I mean, unfortunately, the Congress people who get a great attention are not the dedicated, hardworking, admirable co Congress people that you that you want to elect. Uh, they are the the charlatans of various kinds. And she writes, they're making a mistake. They should stop and tell him he has to leave. They should press him to resign. They should dissociate themselves from him, ostracize him. They are going this route because they have a majority of five votes and they think they can't afford to lose even one, especially at a particularly malleable one who'll do anything the leadership asks. But in the meanwhile... Mr. Santos is allowed to uh, put his own poisonous imprimatur on all of them, on every initiative and bill, on everything they do. They can't do the right, if they can't do the right thing, they should at least be practical. He will be used relentlessly by the Democrats and the media to make the Republican conference look like a cabal of fraudsters. In the short term, he damages their reputation. In the long, he will surely cost them seats. Have a majority of four, not five. Give up one. Protect the rest. Get him off the floor and out of America's sight. And go public with it. Show this is where you stand. There's also a, um, a piece by Peter King, who spent many years in Congress. And he writes... Uh, there is also a political disaster looming for House Republicans who run at real risk of losing their House majority because of the albatross called Santos. Republicans may not have won the House without unexpectedly picking up four seats in New York in 2022. Those four and at least four other seats, however, could well be seriously in jeopardy in 2024 if Republicans continue to stand by Mr. Santos. The newly elected Republican members from New York have called on Mr. Santos to resign. Republican congressional leaders must make it clear they also want him gone. He says something that, uh, that I think is fascinating too, and he served in Congress for many, many years, also from the New York delegation, also a strong Republican. He says, having served in Congress for 28 years, I cannot imagine how Mr. Santos possibly thinks he can be effective as a member of the House, if he thinks about it at all. In modern politics, I can't recall another freshman lawmaker who took office so completely lacking the trust and respect of his colleagues, except perhaps for a few ineffective congressional outliers. I can't imagine a member of either party working or cooperating with Santos. And when you don't have that, 
you're just faking your way through the workday, something Mr. Santos is apparently pretty good at. What's it like to be shunned and shamed as a member of Congress, to be a walking outcast among your peers? We have so few examples, Mr. Santos takes us into new territory. And uh, the point is, he says, new members meet with senior members who can show them the ropes, help them get some early legislative wins. What senior members will want to work with this guy? Okay, I, I know it seems like a lot of piling on, but we're talking about a crucial institution that has had its battering the House of Representatives. And certainly a Republican Party that needs to dissociate itself in every way from lies. Michael Medved show wishing everyone a, a wonderful January weekend. Yeah, it's still January. Getting used to writing 2023 on checks and letters and documents. Uh, we are time passing and who knows? We may escape the month of January without disastrous news. Let us hope so and uh, and pray for that. In fact, the uh, the news is not all bad at the movie theaters. Uh, this is a time of year where usually, because people are waiting for the Oscars and all of that excitement, if you can call it excitement, uh, that they don't release any particularly formidable or worthwhile movies. But that's not true this week. Uh, the latest from Hollywood, please. There's a movie for Netflix uh, that uh, I think has its enjoyable moments and it is very touching for people who love dogs. And who doesn't love dogs? The movie is called Doggone and it uh, stars a, um, a, a new star called Johnny Birchtold along with Rob Lowe who plays his father. And they have a little bit of a troubled relationship that actually gets repaired while they both spend weeks, literally weeks, exhausting themselves trying to find their lost dog that got lost along the Appalachian Trail. It's based on a true story. Yes, it is. And uh, it sounds like this. Gonker isn't any dog. He's my best friend. Everyone needs one soul who loves you because you are you. That's who Gonker was for me. But now he's lost. Gonker! I promise you we will find that dog. You promise? How can you say that? Because I believe it. Okay, what you can believe here is that the, the relationships between this dog and various human beings are very touching and the canine stars that they use are brilliantly coached and they do a good job. Uh, Rob Lowe uh, is also supposed to be simultaneously working out the relationship with his son who has just graduated from college and that part of the movie doesn't work at all and uh, partially the uh, the co-star with the Rob Lowe, Johnny Berktold, is is actually one of those actors who looks like he is acting. Uh, the dog is much more convincing. 
the movie is rated TVPG, uh, and it, there's nothing too terrifying uh, to, to make it inappropriate for kids to, especially dog-loving kids, to enjoy. Two stars for Dog Gone on Netflix. Uh, a very different sort of film is a, a film called The Sun, and uh, the the film is a prequel to the movie The Father. It's actually one of a trilogy that were written by Florian Zeller, who is a French playwright and director. And The Father won an Oscar for Anthony Hopkins. He's in this film, too. Hugh Jackman is in this film playing his son. And the setup of the movie is that uh, uh, Hugh Jackman is a successful businessman who's begun a new life with a new wife and a baby boy when a 17-year-old son in a previous marriage to Laura Dern uh, wants to come live with his dad. And uh, it doesn't work out easily uh, in The Son. What are you doing here? Nicholas hasn't been to school in almost a month. I want to stay there. Ask. How are you? Has something happened? You realize the school is talking about expelling you. Can I live with you? You said you don't feel very close to people your age. Your other son, he needs you as well. And you were at work all of the time. Has he been able to talk about the divorce? I've tried to be there for you. I've tried to give you strength. What's going on? Are you on drugs? You think you can just live your life doing whatever you feel like? I don't know what's happening to me. Uh, that's Zen McGrath, who is outstanding. He's a, a young actor from Australia, and he plays a, a deeply troubled young man and uh, who is appalling and appealing at the same time. The performances are universally superb. I don't think Hugh Jackman has ever been better, and he's a good actor generally. But here, you feel like you're experiencing all of these shocks and traumas yourself, and he conveys that to you. Anthony Hopkins is only on screen briefly, but he's electrifying as he is at his best. Uh, it is a brutally honest film about um, mental illness and self-destructive instincts and more, uh, but it's a film that will haunt you and move you deeply. It's rated PG-13. It is 100% for adults only. And um, it's uh, a sobering and unforgettable film that deserves four stars. It certainly will be one of the best of the year. Uh, when You Finish Saving the World is kind of an intriguing title. This is a movie that was directed and written by Jesse Eisenberg, uh, the actor that people know from uh, the film about Mark Zuckerberg, where he played Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, this is uh, uh, basically a very different film. It's set in Bloomington, Indiana, for uh, the only reason I can think of is I think that's where Jesse Eisenberg lives, because this is his wife's hometown. But in any event, uh, this film has Julianne Moore playing a very dedicated social worker who seems to uh, be adored by everybody except by her own son, who is completely consumed with his, played by Finn uh, Wickhart, he's uh, completely consumed with the internet and his own 
website where he is gathering people to boost his teenage stardom. But his mother is more interested in another uh, kid who is growing up in the women's shelter that she happens to run. Uh, listen. Mom! You should open the door while I was live streaming. What's live streaming? That's where I have 20,000 followers and I'm validated and I'm starved. It's terror hard to get. Are you happy? I think so. Why are you asking me? When you were a little boy, you were my little ally. You were going to be one of the good ones. And then something switched in you. Okay, uh, the, the film is not a mess, but it's very difficult to like because the characters are so appalling. They, they, uh, they all um, give uh, shallow left-wing pieties and uh, the cruelty of mother to son and then back again son to mother is disturbing and difficult to watch and with nothing redemptive it is uh you go through the film maybe believing in the characters but feeling glad that you don't know them in real life uh it's rated r uh there is uh, uh harsh language and uh, a good deal of emotional pain in family relationships though without any of uh, the connection with the people on screen who are created in the film uh, as was the case with the sun when you finish saving the world uh, it's rated R as I mentioned and two stars it's playing in theaters as is the sun uh, coming up next week uh, we will try to uh, deal with some of the challenges that uh that the country is facing and <laughs> challenges yes including uh george santos who is getting in the way it seems to me of any kind of republican messaging uh what will be the response of uh, president trump to the uh judge's decision that he is supposed to come up with a million dollars to play to hillary clinton and other people that he sued alleging a conspiracy and uh we will also take a look at the um the impact of the march for life and uh an article is, it affirms that american religion is not dead uh participation in traditional houses of worship may be in decline but innovation and growth are happening elsewhere what is that innovation and growth based on in American religion, which is a obviously an institution and influence that's incredibly uh, important? And then a, a column that suggests that uh, power makes you weird. Uh, do you think that uh, George Santos was probably pretty weird before he got any power at all? Uh, we will be dealing with that and much more. Wishing uh, you a weekend of dry and sunny weather, I hope, uh, except those places where you need even more rain to deal with drought in this greatest nation on God's green earth.